Hey everyone, I'm Mark Talbot from 20 Foot Radius. And I'm Derek Myers from DungeonsMaster.com. I'm Craig Sutherland, and you're listening to Recounting Encounters, a D&D Adventures League podcast. A show where we talk about D&D encounters, D&D expeditions, D&D epics, and exploits from our D&D home games. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Recounting Encounters. Tonight with me we have Derek, Craig, and Scott, as well as myself. Um, this week we're going to do some recaps. I know that uh, Derek and Craig had, both le- bo- had left all our listeners with a cliffhanger. So we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, Scott, uh, talk a little bit about Neverwinter. We can talk a little bit about the patches I've done. I guess you can talk about the herd mentality that's going on. I don't know, wh- whatever you want to talk about. Giver. Sure. Yeah. Start now. Start now. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I guess the, the the biggest thing is is uh, is the patch that uh, was just just published. Uh, I guess this morning. A uh, few few changes, uh, class balancing, a uh, bunch of fixes in reclamation rock, and a few other uh, of the the skirmishes, and. Uh, and if you buy uh, if you buy items from uh, from uh, the Dreadring store and you're a great weapon fighter or some of the others uh, like uh, a rogue, which are my, <laughs> my two characters, uh, you can now buy a helmet as a rogue and and uh, and, and the great weapon fighter options uh, are available to you. I had uh, the only options were available were not purchasable by my class, but anyway, uh, so. Bit by bit, chipping away at, at some of the issues they've yet to to to, uh, to deal with the the solo play uh, element of it. But uh, certainly, in, in many areas, uh, two or three people are good to go. Or if you're in uh, um, Icewind Dale, you uh, you're there with about thirty people <laughs> in the herd, as as you kind of alluded to. So the big change, I guess few patches back was uh, the encounters uh, now drop um, now between 50 500 and 2000 refinement points uh, per encounter so you now have um, masses of people running encounter to encounter uh, doing damage and, and then running off and uh, and getting all the drops so that uh, you know building up all the refinements and that's going towards their, their artifacts they've been their artifacts and and uh, and Neverwinter's made a big push. I mean, everybody everybody has been complaining about it. it takes just just to give you an idea. I mean, for those people that don't play Neverwinter, those that are playing Neverwinter that don't have their artifacts yet, um, to level an artifact to legendary status costs four point three million refinement points. Now, the average drop that you get with Dragonhorde enchantments is once in a while you'll get five hundred, fifteen hundred. Maybe five thousand sometimes, but can you imagine how long it would take to farm that? So now everybody's just going out and farming aquamarines and peridots, and they're making about two thousand per encounter. So you multiply that, you spend you know a few days grinding and herding, then uh, you, you can make quite a bit. I mean, myself and Scott, you know, we've done just a couple of days, a couple of hours here and there, and we've already got over. I don't know, 150 aquamarines and like yeah. 200 or 300 peridots, and yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, a good a good kind of two hour run should should get you a hundred thousand, so to speak. Assu- yeah. Assuming you're doing, you know, you're keeping up, but uh, um, but I wouldn't call that fun. No. <laughs> so again, they need to fix the uh, 
the uh, you know the solo play and and uh, they did open up uh, all the dungeons again, but uh, um, still a ways to go. But certainly the developers are paying attention to feedback, uh, customer feedback, etc. So that's great. And uh, they've also just released for the next four days. Um, so four days. Well, by the time I post this, maybe. <laughs> two days, two days, like maybe three days. By the time you've heard this, you maybe enjoyed the. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, no, I'll be, I'll be posting this tonight anyway. Yeah. Battle of the Bridge is on. Call to Arms, Battle of the Bridge. They've actually really changed that up quite a bit. Um, it's, a, it's a spawn fest now, and uh, well, when you get to the last guy, the Gon Gondahar, I think his name is. Uh, anyway, the big, big fire giant at the end. There's no longer four of them. There's only one of them, and uh, a bunch of minions that spawn constantly. So. It's it's an interesting little encounter. No, well, apart from that, I mean, there's there's not much going on. I mean, I'll I'll get back to you next week regarding the uh, the new black armor set, which is kind of a pro. There's a lot more. Um, what would you say survivability with this new black ice armor set? But the thing is that now everybody that has actually leveled their black ice profession and transmuted everything into elemental corrupt black ice armor is now basically not necessarily null and void, but more uh, redundant compared to the new stuff that's come out. So again, they've come out, and again, we're going to have to spend thousands of black ice, and that's what everybody's getting up in arms about. But uh, I'll get back to you on that regarding when I get my new armor set. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, apart from that, the uh, you know, I'm just glad, wi I'm glad, I was going to say Wizards, that Perfect World or... Um, Cryptic is actually listening to the feedback from the forums, not the whiners, but the ones that are actually posting lists of what needs fixing, what doesn't, and you know, just it, it's been it's been good, it's been better. So hopefully they kind of they'll always be the whiners, but there's there's lots of people that give good feedback, valid points, and providing good stuff that uh, that, that uh, hopefully is, hopefully is getting listened to. So for sure, and I hope they tone down the uh, total damage. Output and all that make yeah, it make they it. They still need to fix Tiamat, but uh, you know. <laughs> I mean, even you and I, Scott. I mean, you know, our characters are fairly powerful, and we're managing. But it's uh, it, it's quite difficult at times. Yeah, except for that swarm of minions uh, a couple hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Scott. Scott decided to attack all the zombies in Dreadring at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that's a moot point. We uh, we digress. Uh, one of our favorite words to say. So. Uh, that's it for Neverwinter. Any other news from Craig or Derek? It's been a very slow news week. Nothing really happening on the uh, the D and D news front. No, the uh, the only thing I <coughs> want to add, and this will sort of tie into something I'm going to talk about a little bit later, is uh, the various uh, big conventions. There's a lot of cons going on as we're coming into the summer uh, across North America. I suppose around the world. Um, and I know Origins, again, depending on when you're listening to this, Origins is happening right now. It's happening this weekend. Um, with a lot of the bigger conventions coming up, uh, for those people playing D&D Encounters, D&D Expeditions, uh, any of the Adventure League play, uh, if you get a Magic Item cert at your table, at your local gaming store, um, one of the things we've had is people are turning down items because they go, ah, this item's only so-so. I don't want to get stuck with an item against my magic item total that I'm not really using or I don't really like. If you're planning to go to one of these conventions, one of the bigger conventions, Gen Con specifically comes to mind, Origins, things like that, um, the AL is, is, has been and will continue to be running uh, trading posts 
where you'll be able to trade your certs with, you know, basically the admins. They'll have a whole stack of certs available, and you know, it has to be a, like a rare for a rare, an uncommon for an uncommon, that kind of thing. But just keep that in mind, especially if you know you're going to a con and you're playing a couple of AL games leading up to it, and a magic item drop happens in your in your adventure, and nobody really wants the item. Might not be a bad idea to pick something up, especially if it's something that no one in your party really thinks is practical, and then bring it with you to the con and go to the trading post and try and get something a little more practical for your character or something that you think you might be able to trade away to someone else, uh, depending on if the cert you get is brand new or not, because obviously you can only trade two times. So I just wanted to to let people know that if you weren't aware, uh, there are and there will continue to be uh, trading posts at the various conventions. So... Uh, did you mention? Sorry, go ahead. Did did you mention that there's only two trades allowed? Uh, yeah. So when you you get the item, it's got your name, your character's name, your DCI, your D, and the DM's signature and DCI number of whoever awarded it right. to you. And then on the back of the cert, there's spots for uh, you can trade it twice. So if I award it to you, Mark, you can trade it to Craig. Craig can trade it to Scott, and then once Scott gets it, that's it. He keeps it forever and ever. It cannot be legally okay. traded anymore. Um, so yeah, things normally work with me. I, I get the hand-me-downs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, now I had heard. I don't know if you've come across this, Derek, but I had heard. I thought I had read that there was some items that were only tradable once as well, like two times is the most and the most common one. But I thought I had read that there was some that could only be traded once, or some not at all. There are some you cannot trade at all. So, for example, I know with the Horde of the Dragon Queen, uh, one of the final items you get is uh, Res, uh, Resmir, the Black Dragon um, uh, Acolyte or whatever uh, whatever oh, her that title sword. She's yeah. got that sword, Harzwin, Hazerwin, whatever it's called. Uh, and it's an intelligent item. And I'm fairly certain it says right on there, this item cannot be traded. Um, but it does count against your your permanent magic items so uh, you know whoever gets it uh, I mean it's a really good item so chances are whoever gets it's going to want to keep it anyway but I think in cases like that there are there are special named items that that do specifically say on the cert cannot be traded so anyway I'm just throwing that out there I know that we've had a few players especially the ones that play a lot of AL games that have deliberately passed on items that where they felt were just sort of mediocre yeah it's a utility item my guy may be able to use uh, but they didn't want it to count against their total, and so we've, you know, as the DM, I've I've come home after games where nobody took the cert because nobody wanted the item because nobody wanted it to count against their total, and I just kept thinking to myself, well, geez, if these people are going to conventions through the summer, might not be a bad idea for them to remind them, you know, hey, you should somebody should think about taking this and then try and trade it when you uh, when you get to the con. So, and remember, like you can trade with any other player who has a like cert, so you don't even have to go to the trading post. If you know there are other items out there, maybe you, uh, like, the one of the ones is the Cloak of Elvenkind, was very popular at our stores, all the rogues wanted it, and uh, only a couple of, like, we have one of the parties, a cleric got it, because there were no rogues, and she won't she won't part with it. So, uh, you know, if you know that item's floating around out there, when you go to these conventions and you're playing the AL games with other players, ask them flat out, hey, is your, what level's your character? Have you played any? Anyone got a cert they might want to trade? You know, that's the whole point of having the cert is, uh, you know, if you plan to keep the item, you don't need the cert. But if you think you might want to trade it and you've got a cert, bring it bring it with you when you go to these cons or these public play events. So just throwing that out there as a reminder. Cool. So what, what would the process be for someone to, to trade? Does a DM need to, to kind of sanction or oversee that or how does it? No, not at all. It's it's, it's uh, just, so on the back just of the just cert. Just a card that 
Yeah, I, I've got a few just out of arm's reach, but I, if I remember correctly, on the back it just you fill in. Uh, the, I guess you fill in the name. You know what? Let me just grab one here. Cause, uh, you know why? Why misquote it? It'll only take me a second. Hold on, just one sec, guys. Indeed. We need, okay, we need like yeah. Uh, oh, that was fast. I yeah, was no, you need... on the other side of the room. My my cable wasn't long enough. So on the back of the cert, it says trade log. You enter the character's name, the player's name, and the DCI number. And there's two uh, places where you can put that. So on the front. So again, so if I gave if I gave this to Craig, I would put he would put his character's name. It would the player's name would be Craig, his DCI number, and then it says Dungeon Master. So it'd be my name, my number, and then I would sign it. Then if Craig's going to give it away, I guess on the back, if he's giving it to Mark, he would put Mark's character name and then Mark's real name and then Mark's DCI number. So yeah, you would. There needs to be that trail, right? And then with all the DCI numbers. Well, I mean, it's I can't imagine that there would ever be. Well, I can imagine, but I, it would be the exception rather than the norm that anyone would actually go back and look through your trade log and validate all the numbers. I mean, part of the part of the thing with D and D is is there's a certain amount of trust and honesty that needs to happen. This is more just a, a record keeping thing. Well, I, I, I was going to say because you know somebody could just name their character Fred every time, so you've got like six characters named Fred. And, yeah. and and basically you can trade that item between Fred all the time, all your yeah. Fred characters, right? Well, I mean, there are ways to game the system, but uh, you would you would hope that... It, well, and especially, like, for us, like, I've been playing at the same two or three stores for quite a long time. I, gotta, I, I know most of the people. We recognize a lot of the faces. And I run a lot of the games and hand out these certs because, you know, they're going to have my name on them. So if I saw that yesterday you were playing a rogue named Fred and tomorrow you're playing a fighter named Fred and next week you're playing a wizard named Fred, uh, you know, I think I would catch on and sort of go, no guys, let's, let's differentiate these characters a little bit. But yeah, anyway, well, well, we did, we did come up with, don't yeah. be a, don't be a, anyway, I'm not going to say the word in, in public. So, sure. um, Back yeah. On that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so anyway, trading posts, don't forget them. Um, Okay, let's uh, let's just let's jump into our uh, our recaps. So, um, Craig and I, it's been a couple of weeks, so we've had a chance to do a couple of different adventures. So, uh, Craig, uh, why don't you pick things up? Because I know your yours probably has a little bit more uh, oomph right off the bat. I believe your characters were at the Feathergate Spire, and uh, my yes. character just arriving because your group was a, a little bit ahead of mine. So, tell us, uh, you know, thirty words or less. Well, maybe not quite that brief, but tell well, us just how- to. A quick recap, I guess, to sort of catch everyone up to to what had happened, uh, in case you forgot. But uh, basically, the uh, the characters did arrive at Feather Gale, and um, they decided to take um, a more sort of curious, friendly, friendly approach. Uh, you know, they they rung the bell out front, and they they seemed to be uh, kind of friendly and welcoming there at uh, Feather Gale. So the the party just kind of went with it, and they, they, they were invited to a feast, and they, they were getting along with everyone. They, uh, suddenly there was this big manticore hunt that uh, that broke out, and they were basically very easily included in the group. Now, one of the, the parties, uh, a gnome character, was very interested in the fact that they were flying, and he had recently uh, procured a wingsuit that he had been sort of kept keeping hidden. Uh, so later on in the night when everyone was asleep because they were offered a place to stay over the night... Um, he was invited up to the top to uh, to look through the the spyglass and see how beautiful it was. Although there was a lot of mist and whatnot over the valley at nighttime, uh, it was still it was it was really more a tactic to get him up there. 
unbeknownst to him, but he was a little bit suspicious, so he came up wearing his flight suit. And, uh, you know, when he got up, they, they ended up picking him up and just throwing him off the to- the edge of the tower. <laughs> and that was where we had cut it for, for the night, that, that particular game. So it was left it on a nice cliffhanger. So when we picked things up, he immediately... And, and, and I purposely did not tell him about the suit because he had he had said that uh, he, you know he had spent time trying to adjust the suit size so it would fit him because he was a gnome and he, he had taken it off a larger guy so he had some tailoring skills which actually coincidentally worked into his background so I'm like oh hey this works perfectly this is a very happy coincidence for me as a DM um, but hey I went with it right uh, so in that time I just assumed he's getting himself familiar with this suit so he has attuned himself to this magic item because those those wing suits are are indeed magic items that you have to be attuned to I think you have to spend at least an hour with uh, to attune um, so he he spent the time doing that so I just you know off off the record I didn't say anything because I wanted it to be kind of a surprise for him and then when he eventually did fly off you know he's like I, I flap my arms what happens <laughs> so, but that's you have him make a roll. That's where I always have him make a roll, even though you know it's going to work, just oh, just yeah. to increase the tension. I I actually did the roll for him. I, I told him it was a percentage roll. I was rolling behind the screen because <laughs> I didn't want him to roll like a one and then be like, oh, it works anyway. Oh, right? I see. I see. But um, but yeah. So I, I rolled. A, I did roll a percentage roll, and he was flapping his uh, his wings, and then. Of course, and I said, "Oh, and then you take flight," and everyone was like, "Whoa, wow!" It was a very exciting sort of moment uh, when we opened the game up. The, the following week so th- that's when I basically said this is the rules this is how this works um, blah 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 it has three charges one of which has already been used so on and so forth so I, I give him the rules behind that and and for for those of you if anyone out there as a player has one of these suits there are rules on how to use it so you can ask your DM about it um, but basically yeah it'll, it, it allows you to, to temporarily fly so he flew around shouting out at the top of his lungs, we've been betrayed, we've been betrayed. But at the same time, I said that the, the guards at the top are all clapping and cheering him on. Um, <laughs> so he came around the, the corner and he, he unleashed a thunder wave on them and knocked a couple of the guys back. And then they, I had them act very surprised. Like, what are you, what are you doing? We were just trying to, uh, you were so curious about flying, we thought we would just sort of, you know, push you off the deep end and get you uh, to, to sink or swim so to speak, right? <laughs> um, however, one of the guys took serious you know, offense to him. birds do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? And so, so one of the guys took serious offense to him, so started fighting back with, with, the, uh, with the gnome a little bit. Then there was a, uh, a dagger got pulled, someone got stabbed, and then the rest of the party came up because they heard the thunder, the, the thunder wave. A bit of a fight broke out, and then Thurl, the, the captain of the guard, kind of calmed everyone down and said, no, 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 there's been a misunderstanding here. We want to make sure that uh, that your friend knows this wasn't an, an act of aggression. We've th- we're going to take this guy into custody. The guy who who pulled out a dagger, very bad. But the rest of the party wouldn't have it, and they demanded to know what was going on. And you know, they kept pleading, saying, "No, no, no, no there's nothing. It's just a big misunderstanding." And our paladin of the group rolled a very good insight check and uh, did not believe what the um, what the what the guys were saying. So they decided, you know what? This is if you're not going to come clean with us, we're going to take aggressions here. So there's a, a bit of a fight on top. A, a number of the guards were were disabled, knocked out, and uh, they basically had whittled it down to just the captain Thurl. Uh, and at that point, he surrendered. He said, "Okay, I'll, whatever you want, uh, I'll tell you everything." So he basically brought them down back into the feast hall and 
told them that uh, that there's these pirates in the area that uh, they had run into along the, uh, you know, there's a river that runs right through um, the Sang Valley. It's not the Desarin River, but it's like it's connected to it. And I cannot for the life of me remember what it was. But I just said that basically there's a pirate vessel that had made its way down there. They had spoken. Well, there was a ship. They went down to, to speak with whoever it was, and, they, and it turned out to be pirates. They kidnapped his wife and uh, brought her back over to their to their keep, and they had been using her as leverage on, on the Feathergale Spire ever since, and had been forcing him to, to do all these things against his will, and one of them was to find anyone who might be out there wandering the the, uh, the Sunbird Hills and, and to, to find out what they might be up to, and that kind of thing. So he asked the characters, will you help me? Will you go to uh, to Riverguard Keep to go find it or to go save my wife? But you have to do it really. You have to do it right away because as soon as they know that you know, then my wife's life will be in danger. Basically, so the characters believed him and thought, okay, great, let's let's go do this for sure. We'll 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 definitely do this. But they also had like, oh well, we want you know, this huge reward, we want this, we want that. They named a ton of things that they wanted. He was like, yes, I'm willing to do it. If you bring my wife back, I will give you whatever you want. Absolutely. So they were super excited to get going. The only thing he wouldn't do was they asked to get hippogriffs, and he said, no, I can't, because only a couple of my men knew about this. Everyone else is completely clueless. I don't want to let my men know something is wrong, and if I let some strangers take off with, with, with our hippogriff mounts, that's weird. Like, they're going to question that, so... Characters Good cover. Good moved cover on head. <laughs> Indeed. And, you know, during this whole time, not one character wanted to roll an insight check. The whole time, as uh, he was, he was saying, "This is what happened. This is why we're doing." No one wanted to roll an insight check. Like, okay, well, let's let's do this. And <laughs> as they were on their their travels, they're like, "Oh man, we totally fleeced that guy. We're gonna get so much for him." And uh, <laughs> it was it's been a it's been a good time. But uh, uh, yeah, basically, they've made their their way down. Uh, on to Riverguard Keep now, and uh, that's basically where we are now. They they've just arrived at Riverguard Keep, and uh, there's a, there's basically two ways you can get to Riverguard Keep. You can come in through the sort of front gate, or you can take the uh, Desarin River through this uh, waterway entrance, which is really mainly for ships. My players decide, you know what? These guys are bad guys. They kidnapped this guy's wife. Let's go uh, sneak in. They're gonna not suspect us coming in through the river since we don't have a boat. They tied their horses off somewhere uh, because they have horses, by the way, and uh, and then they went out and, and went up and down the Desarin River looking for reeds that might be able to act as snorkels, so they could all swim underneath and have little snorkels and not be detected. On top of that, they plan on coming in the nighttime. <clears throat> they scared the place out. They saw that there was uh, some guards on the walls and such, so they had to be careful. So everything sounded like it was going to work out great until one of the characters was like, "Well, my character is terrified of water and would." absolutely refused to go into the water so after a lot of uh, debating back and forth what they were going to do they decided <laughs> this is weird i don't know why they came up with this but that the wizard was going to cast levitate on this character they were going to tie a rope around the character and then the other characters would hold on to the rope under the water and tow that character in so that character would be floating above the water so like wait, wait, you've got the party <laughs> underwater, and they basically have a giant kite with a person on the end of it. Yes, exactly. It's a person. So it's much, like, a, it's so like much a, for stealth. That's exactly. That's why I was like, what? but you're so you're in plain sight, right? Like I, I had to keep like, rationalizing. Am I understanding this correct? And like, yeah, yeah, it should be fine. I'm like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> but the the character did. Uh, I mean, to be fair, the character did have a plan uh, because they had, like I said, they did skip before, and they knew that there was at least one guard on each of the walls. So that would be, you know, four walls, and it's. Uh, Four guards. So 
they had planned, they had uh, effects that they could use uh, that would, would cause uh, anyone who might have seen them to go to sleep, assuming they had enough hit die that they could roll. <clears throat> so the first guard saw this. I, I basically I described it as that it's almost as if it's like, it's like a, a human shaped balloon floating along the water uh, coming in and, and called out, Hail, adventurer! Uh, she immediately dropped a, a sleep spell on him. He fell down, snoring like a baby. They ca they went under the, through the little chain gate and they came through into the actual inside of the castle area. And then the next closest guard called out. She used her last spell slot to to drop him with a sleep. The rest of the, the other two guards in the other walls were far enough away that they could very well not have seen it because this is at a the the the, the keep itself is on a it starts on a higher plane and then there's a bluff and it goes down into the river that's where they're coming up from so i said okay it's reasonable that these other two on the the furthest away walls wouldn't necessarily see so i just kind of gave them the benefit of the doubt for that but as soon as they the the other characters who were underwater because they had no idea what happened as soon as they came up they're like okay we have one minute let's we got to get somewhere we got to get out of sight really quick because once those guys wake up they're going to realize something's going down they came into the. They went to the nearest tower, but unfortunately, they busted in this room where there was just there was a lot of guys, and uh, <laughs> these guys are not uh, accustomed to having strangers busting in on them, right? And they came into like, "Where's the Where's the woman? Where's the woman that you you kidnapped?" <laughs> <laughs> so it was like it was it was fight all over, right? Like it was just a, this big fight. A whole bunch of the characters got knocked out. It was looking really bad. But they eventually dropped most of the guys, except for the sort of the big leader bad guy of the room, who managed to use an invisibility spell on himself and escape. Uh, and the characters were up. I, I gave them all these chances, like, maybe you guys want to consider taking off, or you know what I mean? Whatever. Like, they have this window of opportunity to take off now. Because clearly, a minute is, uh, you know, it's, it's basically passed up now. So one of the guys you've just attacked has gone running off into the keep, and you can't see him. Like, what are you going to do? So, like, you know... Let's let's just wait it out. Let's bar ourselves in here and see what see what happens. Like, okay. <laughs> so the alarm is raised. The uh, the bells are all ringing in the uh, in the keep, and they can hear sort of a, a mass of, uh, of of people uh, amassing out in the courtyard. And they're that's it. That's where we <laughs> we put it off. And these guys have expended a lot of resources already in that last fight, so they're in a pretty sticky situation. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, now, how how uh, what's the level of your party right now? Your average level? Um, I think most people are. Everyone's at least level three, but I think that we have. I would say half of them are level four now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm just trying to think of that, man, but I'm pretty sure at least half of them are level four. Nice. All right. Um, so my my uh, adventure took a, a very different path than yours and like both literally and figuratively so my group is a little behind yours so when last we left my group was just arriving at the spire uh much like your group they uh talked their way in they you know they had no real reason to to suspect the feathergill knights of being any you know being deceptive um and they were invited to the party and then they um they there was the the century who shows up and goes oh the manticore the manticore and everyone goes off to fight the manticore now did your group do the manticore hunt yeah yeah i just kind of glossed over a few over, weeks ago did, yeah, right yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah so uh two sessions ago because uh, we've had two sessions since we last recorded uh two sessions ago we spent the whole night doing the manticore hunt i had a, a large party i had seven players i had two brand new players who had never played D&D &D before we had two or three 
people who had only been there like once or twice before. So it was very uh, uh, almost all the characters were level one. Most of the players were just getting the the hang of the mechanics of the game. So uh, you know it was it was quite slow going, but with um, you know I tried to emphasize the whole the hunt part, the chase part. It wasn't just you know hack and slash. I mean, eventually it came down to some hack and slash, but I, I encouraged the characters to be very creative. We had a lot of rogues and a lot of fighters, so they were certainly suited for, for combat, and uh, it was a, it was an interesting encounter that everyone seemed to have a lot of fun with. It took almost three hours, but hey, man, that's that's what happens when you get seven players. Um, then, be, after that session ended, um, the plan was to go back to the Feathergale Spire, and unfortunately, at our store, uh, we have... Uh, continue to grow, continue to get new players. So we've gone from uh, two tables at the start of the season to three tables to now four tables. This is our first week we, we split off into four tables. So we had to do a little bit of shuffling of the players. And so the group I ran uh, had four players, and none of the four people that I ended up with were at my Manticore hunt from the week before. So that was a little bit of a disconnect. But two of the players at my table were there the week before that which was actually worked out even better because they had done a few little side quests on their way to the Feathergale Spire, one of which was finding the um, the corpses at the side of the road that had been buried in the shallow graves. So when we picked things up this week, um, it, I, I had them start back at the Spire. We just sort of filled in the blanks. We said, assume the, your characters either just arrived at the, at the Spire or... Uh, Maybe they participated in the Manticore hunt and came back with the rest of the group, or maybe they just decided not to go off. It, I mean, it was neither here nor there, so we didn't spend a lot of time on it. Uh, again, though, because they were on friendly terms with the Knights, the Knights didn't take any actions against them. They had no reason to, and likewise, the players had no reason to take any actions against the Knights. So um, the commander uh, had a brainstorm while the PCs were away, and he decided to send them to the Sacred Stone Monastery um, where the Earth cultists are hanging out. Now, the adventure hook that got the PCs moving in the first place was that this delegation from Mullmaster has gone missing. And in the Shallow Grave side quest, you find four bodies that have been buried. Two of them are clearly part of the Mullmaster group. One of them, you learn quite quickly, is a member of the Feathergale Spire uh, Air Knights, or uh, um, Air Elemental Dudes. And uh, the other one is wearing Rocky armor, so you assume Earth Knights or Earth Elementals. So I had the commander say to them, hey, we've, we've found a little more information about those shallow graves you told us about. Um, we have reason to believe that uh, the Earth Knights captured some of the delegates from this uh, Mallmaster thing, and they brought them back to the Sacred Stone Monastery. Uh, you know, we see you fought these manticores, and you're awesome. Uh, why don't you do us a solid and uh, head over there? and uh, try and free these guys from uh, from the delegation, which was part of their main quest anyway. So the players were like, yeah, right on. Uh, much like your group, can you can you give us some flying mounts so we can just go in there and do a big aerial assault? And they're like, no, no, we can't do that. It's it's well protected. We have an ongoing feud with them. We're, we can't risk any of our guys getting shot down. Uh, but we'll fly you as close as we can and drop you off. Fine, so they did that. Now, the players at my table, I had two level ones. No, I had one level one and three level two. So they were all fairly soft characters. Um, they, uh, the sacred. So now the sacred storm monastery is only in the princes of the apocalypse hardcover. It's not part of the PDF free PDFs. So any DMS who are running the 
the complimentary adventure that's provided to DMs. This is completely outside of the scope of that. Uh, and it is it is definitely designed for characters that are a little bit higher level. So knowing that, I had to scale it back a little bit. But um, anyway, well, I'm going to worry about that as they go. Uh, characters, basically, they broke into the, the monastery. They did a little recon. They broke in. They started going through the rooms. They were doing a pretty good job of... Um, of, of fighting and knocking out the um, the monks that they came across. Because uh, a lot of the guys there are just, like, servants, although they are, like, level one or level two monks. They have some fighting abilities. Um, they don't use weapons, and um, they don't kill. So if they do get the better part of a PC, they're just knocking them out. Um, they did a bunch of rooms. They cleared out a fairly significant portion of the main level. And then, unfortunately, they took a few wrong turns, and they ended up in the room where the boss is is basically he's like the high cleric of the of the monastery and it was just bad luck it says if you come here at night there's a good chance he's sleeping so i rolled dice i'm like sure enough he was sleeping well the characters tried to pick the lock to his room because they figure this is one of the only rooms that's locked there must be something important inside i gave the rogue two attempts he flubbed the rolls both times so then they said well whatever's in here is certainly worth it so we're gonna smash the door down and it took a couple of rounds to do that, and by that time, the guys inside woke up, and so the leader's a cleric. He's got magic, so he and he and he won the initiative. So when the door comes smashing open, he basically says that he re- realizes they're intruders, and he says, "Look, I don't know who you are or why you're here, but I'm giving you one chance to surrender, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna blow you away." And I told them like he's clearly got a magic spell readied, and they're like, "No, we can take him." <laughs> so they fought him for a round. <laughs> But they all were bunched up in a hallway, so we used area of effect magic on them. And being so soft, like they were in bad shape. Like they, the, the only guy who made a saving throw was the level one guy. So he, he didn't fall down, which he totally would have if he had failed to save. The other, so the whole party was down to like maybe two or three hit points apiece. And so then the next round, two of the guys were a little bit more cautious. They, the, you know, the cleric guys, like, uh, you know, I, I can do this all night, and I'm sure that you can't. You know, if you're going to take another one of these, you're probably all going to fall down. Put your weapons on the floor and lay down and surrender. Nope. Two of the guys decided we're going to keep fighting. So he let off another spell, totally knocked them out. And uh, then the other two characters were like, okay, we can't keep fighting. One of them immediately surrendered. And the other one who was already out in the hallway just took off. And that was sort of where we had ended it. And so I told them, he he's not out to kill you guys characters that have fallen unconscious you will eventually wake up which is where we're going to begin things next week the guy who surrendered i said they they gag you because he was spellcaster i go they tie you up they gag you they blindfold you and they march you around the 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 monastery and again you'll wake up uh, you'll be in the room with your buddies when they wake up they'll remove the blindfold and we'll we'll pick things up there now we are expecting a few more players next week because we had quite a few absentee players so we get a couple more guys come in this could turn into a pretty uh, interesting rescue mission otherwise uh We'll we'll see how things play from there. What about the guy who ran away again? Well, that's that's the real that's the real trick. So I told yeah. them that it would be at least an hour before uh, the unconscious guys wake up, and so the guy who ran away is going to get the benefits of a short rest. Now he's not a spellcaster, and he doesn't have any healing magic in it. They had one potion in the party, and they already used it. One healing potion, so. He's gonna. He got to spend his hit dice. We had him roll all that stuff before the end of the session. He came pretty close to getting back to his maximum. Uh, he just rolled really poorly on those hit dice after the end of his short rest. So he's he's gonna have his work cut out for him. So if we don't have any, if we have new players arrive, I'm gonna have them show up as reinforcements to help him on the outside. Otherwise, 
you know, we'll see what happens, but I suspect that he'll uh, come back in and get captured right away because um, there's no way that one guy is going to be able to take on the, the, the forces of the temple, which are all now awake. Like, they came in at night, and it even says in the mod, if they come in at night, most of the guys are asleep or at least in their bedrooms, and there's a handful of guards that are only active at night, and I rolled, like, you sort of roll to see where they are, and, I, I mean, the party got really lucky. They weren't anywhere near the side of the of the, the temple where they entered, so, you know, they, they, they had a few things fall in their favor until they made some bad decisions about uh, taking on the, the, the champion, or the, uh, the head cleric, and I made it pretty apparent to them. I'm like, like, you know, the room is locked. Clearly, this is someone important, or there's something important in there. When they were in there, he had two guards who were wearing like the rock armor and I said I go like you haven't seen anybody so far that has any equipment I go the monks seem to have taken about poverty they don't have anything other than like a robe on and some undershorts like that's it I go they're not wearing shoes they don't have any coins they don't have any weapons and then sure enough they come in this room and it's like two guys in heavy armor a spellcaster who's got like fine robes on it's like I gave them every single indication I could that these are important characters so We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, I'm not out to kill them, and uh, there are certainly options that are presented in the mod for what happens if the characters get captured. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Nice. Indeed. Yeah. So, uh, I know we're running a little long, but one of the things I want to talk about um, that sort of came out of this is playing evil characters. Or, yeah. So, in the, in the Adventurers League, you need to, you can't play evil with the only exception being if you're playing a character who's a member of the Zentarum faction or the Lord's Alliance faction, you have the option of choosing, correct me if I'm wrong, the Lawful Evil alignment. Is that right, Craig? Uh, yeah, Lawful Evil if it's uh, Zentarum and Lord's Alliance. Yeah. Uh, only Lawful Evil. Yes. And and we, we certainly do have a few <laughs> players who have chosen to take that route, and that's fine. But from previous experience in previous years, like you remember we ran all those seasons of encounters where they were all drow themed and everyone wanted to play evil characters. Indeed. We had a lot of problems and a lot of issues with players just playing characters that were psychopaths for lack of a better term term and the players being disruptive and, and then just saying, well, my character's evil. So he's going to do that. I'm not a dick. My character's a dick. And so over time I've learned, especially with new players who come in and say, well, can I play an evil character is, you need to assume that all the people at the table are working together. I said, if you want to play an evil character and you follow the necessary guidelines, uh, you know, we can work with that, but assume that you're going to act in the better interests of the adventure. You're going to act in the better interests of the party. You're not going to steal from the party, kill the party, hang the party out to dry. Like, regardless of what your good evil feeling is, you need to make sure that this is a, a cohesive unit. And, yeah, and the Adventures League Players Guide is very clear about that too. That you, that's yes. what you're expected to be. You're always working with your 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 party. Yes, exactly. So we because we've had a lot of new players, and a couple of the new players have played D and D before, have played Pathfinder, have played three point five. Um, you know, they want they want something a little more than your standard boring. You know, hi, I'm a fighter with a big sword. I'm lawful good, uh, which is often what the brand new guy gets because he's a fairly simple build. Um, so I don't want to say, no, you can't do it, but uh, for the last couple of sessions, we've had some of the newer players who want to play. Uh, one of the guys ended up playing Chaotic Neutral, and the other guy took one of these factions so we could play evil. And in this case, like last the last session, all the characters they've come across, all their opponents are, are monks. They're, they're human or humanoids, and, and they're not necessarily evil. Um, they just are opposed to the PCs who 
you know, PCs are, are, are burglars. They broke in. They're not, they don't have permission to be there. They're swinging weapons around. Like, these guys are basically defending their home. And yet these characters, I, I'm constantly saying, like, are you attacking to kill? Are you attacking to knock them out? Like, remember why you're here. Think about who your opponents are. These aren't monsters. And, um, you know, the evil characters are like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I kill them. Or, or in one case, they knocked out guys, but they needed information. And he's like, I cut off his hand, and I start asking him questions and say, I'm going to cut off your foot if you don't answer. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, he's like, well, my character's evil. And so I've said to the other players, like, your characters are clearly good. You know, play them as you want, but it's unlikely you would stand by and allow this character to do this. And the problem is some of the other, because none of the players know each other, they're public play, they're all here, they've met these people for the first time. Nobody wants to be disruptive, and you don't want to, you don't want to have a confrontation out of the game, right? You don't want to, you don't want to step on someone's toes. So I've been trying to step in. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I know that that's. I mean, in previous uh, seasons, even when someone's not necessarily playing an evil character, that that kind of thing has happened, especially in interrogation situations where one of the uh, one of the players gets very tortury about things, and it starts to get to the point where, like, okay, now we're getting into like a psychopath fantasy mode. Yeah, like the one guy said, well, you know, uh, I have a disguised kid, so obviously I, I you know, I, I know how to make disguises, and that's part of my guy. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, well, now that this one, one of the guys did get killed during combat, there was a spell that did a crazy amount of damage. I'm like, yeah, I don't think you could really do a non-lethal version of that. So I'm like, that guy, unfortunately, was killed in the combat. He's like, well, since he's already dead, I'm going to cut off his face and wear it as a mask, because my guy's not very bright, and he thinks this is a good disguise. Oh my! So yeah. I'm like, well, that's you know, horrific. <laughs> it is, and that, and then so that was one of the, and that happened right at the start of the night, and I thought, oh, if this is the tone. So it's I like, mean, I let him do it, but I said to him, like, I, and we talked about it. I said, you know, he's like, my character's not too bright, so you know, he puts two and two together and gets seventeen. So he's like, yeah, he thinks this is a good idea. He goes, well, we're trying to blend in. He goes, I'm going to put on his robes and and I'm going to wear his face as my face. And now, if anyone encounters <laughs> me, they're going to think I'm him. Oh my good god! So I even had to make some rolls, and I'm like, "Yeah, it is." I go, "The rest of the party's looking at you, and like the blood's dripping down, and you're looking at them, going, hey, look, I'm in disguise. Don't attack me.'" And uh, sounds so like the, I mean, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, like a serial killer character. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, we were trying to sort of make it a little bit of a lighthearted. I mean, you know, we were trying to find something so sure. it didn't seem so graphic and horrific, but. It's it started to escalate after that, and so I, I was you know it was it was a little bit challenging for me to sort of pare it back, and right. I, I think the solution here is is before the next session I'm just going to say uh, maybe I'll take the player aside and say like I understand what you're trying to do, but you you need to really pull this back for the public play forum and and yeah. uh, and go for it's different that. if you're a home group with your friends and it, that's what flies right, but like yeah for sure I mean if this was a Call of Cthulhu game I think you'd be asked to make a sanity roll as well yeah. Right? Yeah, because like, that's not something a normal person does. <laughs> but e- well, even it, even so, that's not that's still not the actions of a lawful evil character. I no, mean, this guy was the chaotic. Not neutral. at all. Right. Yeah. Well, even so, chaotic neutral. Know, that's chaotic not actions of chaotic neutral. Is, oftentimes, people pick chaotic neutral so they don't have to be beholden to any specific label. Right? Like you're, all, you can always just be like, oh, I'm just that's the way I was feeling today. It's chaotic neutral. And I and I know I've had that problem. I've had it work very in, in some cases. It's worked very well, and it's been very humorous. Usually, when you play it for laughs, it works right. better. Uh, but I've seen this kind of action before uh, a long time back, and so I know enough now that when I see a character that's that's got that alignment, I, I try to to sort of you know prepare myself, and I say to the table like 
your alignment is your alignment. Play it like you see fit, but you can't be disruptive. And usually I use Chaotic Neutral as the example. I go, Chaotic Neutral is, is not a license to just do whatever the hell you want and, and have no consequences. So, anyway, that's that's just, you know, uh, something that happened in my game this week. Indeed. Yeah. Cool. So, um, that's pretty much it for me, but I just want to tease... In, in maybe next week or the week after, I'd like to do a, a, a podcast where we talk about some of the new D&D Expedition Adventures, the Elemental Evil ones, because uh, I know, Craig, both you and I have had a chance to run a couple of them now. Yeah. And, uh, I've read them. And, yeah, I mean, I think we've all read most of them. The uh, City of Daggers, I had a chance to run a couple. I had a chance to read a couple. And, City of Danger. Pardon me. I keep doing that. I keep calling it <laughs> Daggers. And... Um, yeah, I mean, we're running some more this weekend, and there have been some that have been fantastic. There have been some that have been, well, what's the opposite of fantastic? <laughs> no, let's just say not that great, and I'll certainly provide some uh, some context as to, you know, the things that I found difficult, challenging, or just dumb. And, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that maybe, not, maybe next week or the week after, and uh, I'm sure people would be interested in hearing that. You know what, I'll yeah. give you... I'll give you a... I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, yeah, anyway, we'll talk okay. better. And, I mean, we should also preface all those conversations with the whole idea, or the, just sort of the setup for what Mall Master is, because they, they certainly added a lot to uh, to change the flavor from uh, ex- Expeditions last season with, with Mall Master. Yeah, so so that's a podcast for another day, but for, for our loyal listeners, because I know those are the ones that I, I am asked about most frequently. I get a few emails, I get some tweets where people say, hey, you can do another one where, where you review the expedition mods, because I don't play encounters, but at least I, I play expeditions. So I think, and I'm seeing a lot of questions on the forums and on the, the Wizards Facebook site. People are saying, we're running one this weekend, there's eight or nine out, which one should I run? Which ones did you like? So. It seems timely. There's certainly uh, uh, people now that summer's coming. They're getting more of an opportunity to play more frequently, and those are the ones they're turning to. So let's uh, let's cover that off in the next week or two. Indeed. Excellent. All right. Anything else to add, Scott? Nope. Craig? No, sir. Derek? Nope. Nothing tonight. We're all good. Excellent. This concludes this week's session of Recounting Encounters. Join us next week as we discuss other things. <laughs> Until next time, have a, what's that? I was going to say, join us next week where we continue to discuss the ongoing adventures of our encounters groups and possibly the expedition mods. Nice. Until next week, have a blast. Indeed. You can follow me on Twitter at Amaron underscore DM and be sure to visit DungeonsMaster.com for original D&D 4th edition material, including a weekly field report of my D&D encounters experiences. And follow me on Twitter at 20foot and visit 20footradius.blogspot.com for your weekly dose of D&D encounters. That's 20footradius20ftradius.blogspot.com. Until then, have a blast.